0: This morning we look at a passage in Matthew chapter 27 that reveals to us that fateful day when Jesus was executed. It's the story of Jesus standing trial before Pilate. It's one of those critical stories and so important that we understand this story in understanding how profound the passion of the Christ is. Palm Sunday, as I said, marks the beginning of The Holy Week, it begins the beginning of the, marks the beginning of the passion of the Christ, and this is one of those stories that when we understand the gravity of what is happening here, it's Jesus standing before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, it has the potential to change your life forever. Two weeks ago, we looked at Matthew chapter 26, and we see that Jesus was first. Arrested and betrayed and brought to trial before the Jewish authorities the Jewish religious authorities called the Sanhedrin and then brought before the high priest Caiaphas But because Judea was occupied by Rome He had to stand a second trial and had to stand before the Roman authority the the Roman governor Pontius Pilate Now the Rome and the Jewish religious authorities hated each other But they knew they needed each other to rid this potential revolutionary, to rid the world of this man who claimed to be the king of the Jews. We'll read in Gospel of Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll skip ahead to verse 11. This is the very word of God. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him and led him away and delivered him over Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, I'm sorry, now we'll skip down to verse 11. Verse 11, now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, this by the way being the feast of Passover, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner they wanted. There had been a notorious prisoner called Barabbas, which by the way means son of the father. The word bar meaning son, abbas meaning father. Keep that in mind. Barabbas means son of the father as we study this passage together. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, "Why, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who's called the Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who's called the Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. And they released for them Barabbas. Having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And the grass withers, and the flower fades, but on this Palm Sunday, the word of our Lord, know the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. I want you to think of that moment that everything changed. Maybe a moment where you sat in disbelief, stunned, shocked. Maybe a moment in history. We look, think back to the early 80s and the space shuttle Challenger ascending to the sky and then all of a sudden gone. We saw a nation sit in shock. Maybe it was 9-11. Maybe you're a sports fan and it was a walk-off home run or a Hail Mary touchdown to end the game. Whatever it was, we've all been in those places, small and big, where everything changed And you sat back in disbelief, a moment that changed the world and a moment that changed your life forever. Jesus standing before Pilate here in Matthew 27, for some of us, can seem so routine on Holy Week. It can be a story that seems so familiar that as we gloss over it quickly we can miss how profound this moment in human history is. And it is my prayer this morning on Palm Sunday that as we study God's word together, that you would understand that this scene of Jesus standing before Pilate would be for you one of those aha moments where you realize that what happened 2,000 years ago changed the world forever. I pray that as you study Matthew 27 and as we study it together, it would be a everything changed moment for you as we study the truths that are revealed in this passage. Three truths that I want to look at briefly in Matthew 27 that I believe changed the world forever. The first truth is this that we see in this passage. It is the truth that no one is innocent. No, not one no one is innocent. What's the context of this passage? Remember, the Jewish authorities are bringing Jesus, this revolutionary, before Pilate, for Pilate to do their dirty work. Now, Pilate knows that he's innocent. Look at verse 18 and 19. Pilate does everything possible to get out of this predicament. He goes back and forth with the crowd. What has this man done? He is innocent. His wife even calls him a righteous man. And so Pilate has an idea based off of the tradition of Passover. He says, surely this will work. I will take the notorious criminal Barabbas. And now just as a side note, Barabbas is not in prison for shoplifting, Barabbas is in prison for killing someone. And so he is on trial and guilty and condemned as a murderer. And so Pilate goes, surely this will work. A murderer versus Jesus, the righteous man. And the plan backfires. And as he brings Barabbas out, the crowd still demands for Jesus to be crucified. And then we are simply told that Pilate is left with no decision, no choice, but to bring Jesus to be crucified, and Pilate brings a bowl of water, symbolic of his message to the crowd, that I wash my hands of this innocent man. And it begs the question, who actually killed Jesus? Maybe you could say the Roman authorities killed Jesus. For surely it was under their watch and it was under their authority that Jesus was condemned as a criminal. Maybe you could put the blame on Pilate and Pilate had a choice facing social, religious and political pressure that he was the one that fault for putting Jesus to death. Maybe you could put the blame on the Jewish religious authorities It was, after all, them behind the scenes conspiring to bring Jesus to this point. Maybe you could blame the disciples, for in their moment of truth, they were nowhere to be found. And it's in that moment that I pray that the light bulb goes off and you realize all of us are guilty of condemning Jesus. You see, the one thing I want you to see as the Jewish authorities and the Pilate are wrestling back and forth, who actually will this, the blood of this man, whose hands will he be on, that we realize that no one can escape, no one can escape the reality that we all put Jesus to death. You see, it is that life changing truth that we realize and we understand what Paul meant when he said, No one is righteous, no, not one. It was Martin Luther, the reformer, who said, In each of our pockets holds the very nails that hung Jesus to the cross. It is a life changing moment when you realize that we killed the Son. God, because we have been intent from the very beginning to get God off the throne. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, wanted nothing to do with God being on the throne, and by nature, we have done everything possible to resist and to run. And to remove God from the throne that we think rightfully belongs to us. Because we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. And it's the moment you realize that it was my sin who held him there. And we realize the truth that no one is innocent. Listen to me. We need to come to the place where we are able to reconcile. That if we were in the crowd that day, we would have called for Barabbas to be released, and for Jesus to be condemned. We are not innocent, but guilty as charged. It was my sin who held him there. Do you understand the practical implications of this? The humility that this provokes or should provoke within you? Do you understand the practical implication of the folly of self-righteousness to actually think that I am more superior or I am better than any single person? You see, this is the great equalizer. The day you realize that all of us without exception, guilty as charged, we killed the very Son of God. The stunning, shocking truth that no one is innocent. The second truth is this that we see in the passage. Not only is no one innocent of condemning Jesus, but the second truth is this the revolution has begun. In verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, Pilate, the governor, is pleading with Jesus. Do you hear what they're saying about you? They say that you're a revolutionary. They, they are claiming that you are, that you are going around saying that you are the king of the Jews. You can, you can see the desperation in Pilate. I mean, just, just say something. Help me out here. And all Jesus says is this: you have said it to be so. And Pilate says, do you have any defense? And we're told here in verse 14 that he gives no answer. To any of the charges and even Pilate is amazed and shocked. You see here in this passage the silence is deafening and Jesus's silence signals to the world that the revolution has begun, that the king that you've been longing for is here, that he has arrived What you have said is true. But Jesus comes in and inaugurates a kingdom unlike any other. And he comes in to launch a revolution unlike any other. And that's why they could not comprehend how could this man be king? How could this man lead a movement? But John 18 tells us in verse 36... My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. That's why the crowds and the Romans and the religious authorities of the day miss this kingdom and miss the revolutionary. But make no mistake, Jesus, by virtue of closing his mouth, signaled that the revolution has begun, that the king is here now there are some even in the church that believe that the kingdom of God is not inaugurated until the end of history but it is clear is day that Jesus he goes around after all from village to village preaching the kingdom of heaven the good news of the kingdom of heaven he announces to the crowds that the kingdom of God is at hand and he does not defend himself and it's a signal to all of us that the revolution And the kingdom of God that was promised has arrived and it arrived 2,000 years ago and we wake up every morning if we belong to Jesus Christ with the privilege of serving the king here on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand the purpose this gives you when you wake up every morning? That the kingdom that was launched 2,000 years ago is the kingdom that I am called to advance? Now there are many in our modern culture today that are trying everything to cancel Christianity in this cancel culture. And they will tell you that Christianity is dangerous and Christianity is oppressive. And in order for our culture and our society to flourish, Christianity must be silenced and Christianity must be canceled. Listen to me. They don't know their history because this world has never flourished more than when Christianity moved in. Wherever Christianity moved, the people flourished. Wherever Christianity was and the people of God went, all the people flourished. The worst thing we can do for our society and for our culture is to silence and cancel Christianity. And we as the people of God have the privilege and must count it a joy to represent the king wherever we go. This is the calling of the people of God. There is nothing, listen to me, for the young people in the room and the young people watching at home, there is nothing more thrilling, more exciting, nothing more worthy than giving your life to the kingdom of God for his glory and for his sake. Make no mistake, 2,000 years ago, a revolution and a movement was launched unlike this world has ever seen and we are still feeling the effects of it today. And it is our privilege to carry it on and advance the kingdom far and wide in our day. Third truth that's revealed to us here in this passage, the truth that they condemned on that day, the wrong man. They condemned the wrong man. In verse 15, we're told that on the feast of Passover, Pilate goes through this tradition of releasing one of the prisoners And as I said in the beginning, surely they would choose to release Jesus. He's righteous. He's innocent. Surely they would condemn Barabbas, the man who was guilty of insurrection and murder. Now understand on that day, there were three crosses prepared. Three crosses prepared for two criminals— Three crosses prepared for three men that were guilty as charged and should have received their condemnation. And as the crowd is confronted with this decision to release Jesus and to condemn Barabbas, what is their decision? They cry out, Jesus, Condemn Jesus. Do you understand what they were saying? They were saying there is a cross for Barabbas, but we want you to put Jesus on that cross. Put Jesus on Barabbas' cross. Release the vile one and condemn the innocent son Barabbas of God. Scholars say that where Barabbas was located in his cell, that more than likely he could not hear the conversation between Pilate and the crowd, except this, the moments when the crowd shouted. So Barabbas, the only thing he could hear was the words, Barabbas, Barabbas, followed by crucify him crucify him. And can you imagine Barabbas as he hears the guard arriving to his cell, unlocking the door, and being let out? Can you imagine the moment when the guard looks at him and says, Barabbas, you're free to go. Listen to me. Can you imagine being condemned, and then being set free. If you know Jesus this morning, you know that feeling. That is the story and the message of the gospel. They condemned the wrong man, but thanks be to God that he took our place and he stood condemned for you and for me. The message of the gospel this Palm Sunday is that Jesus took your sentence, and he took your cross, and he stood condemned, and Pilate's question to the crowd that day rings across to us today, what will you do with this Jesus? I ask you this morning, what will you do with this Jesus? If he is a fraud, then by all means this Palm Sunday crucify him. But if he is the son of God, then how could you not surrender your life to him and crown him Lord of all? Green Beret, fighting in Vietnam, writes... Of one day that he was flying in a helicopter, flying to where his troops were surrounded by the enemy on the ground, pinned in from every side. And he looks at the pilot and he says, That's where my men are. Send me down. Send me into it. And the pilot looks at him and he says, You're crazy. That landing's way too hot. You'll never survive. And he turns to the pilot and he says, you send me the stinking down there. I am not coming home without my men. Listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus says, you put me down into that hell and you put me on that cross because I'm not coming home without my brothers and without my sisters. Listen, this is the good news for you this morning. This is the good news of Palm Sunday. This is the good news of a man who was innocent but took your place. I once heard of a preacher as he was preaching this passage and as he was simply reading Matthew 27 had to stop because he just started to weep. You see that's what happens when you understand the shocking nature of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, it might just cause you to weep. So I ask you once more, what will you do with this Jesus? Will you easily dismiss him? I often wonder, what did Pilate think 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? You wonder if he lived with such deep regret. Maybe I should have listened to my wife. Maybe I should have listened more. Maybe it was the Spirit trying to tell me something. You know, we don't hear much more about Pilate. We're only left to conclude that he lived his life full of regret. Let not that be your story this Palm Sunday. Listen. See. Survey. What Jesus has done for you on the cross and bow your knee for the first time this morning and receive Jesus as Lord. I'm gonna pray for us in a minute. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, maybe for the first time, where you can speak directly to God and say, this Palm Sunday, my story and my life was forever changed. When I understood that it was my sin that held you there, that you stood condemned In my place, listen to me, Jesus stands before you today. There's only one choice, to crown him Lord of all. Let's pray. Father, it's on this Palm Sunday. Lord, such a familiar passage for some. Maybe a very familiar holiday for others. But Lord, it's on this Palm Sunday and the beginning of Holy Week that we are reminded of the shocking nature of what happened that week 2,000 years ago. And it is on this day that we are reminded of the shocking truth that we hold the nails in our pocket that hung our Savior to that cruel cross, that we, in the end, are Barabbas, that that was our cross, and our condemnation, and our sin. And Jesus says, give me that hell so that my children can experience life to the full both now and forever. If that is you this morning that has never received Jesus Christ as Lord, and maybe you don't know what to say this morning, maybe say these words, Lord Jesus Christ, I never knew I've heard the story my whole life, but I've never understood what you exactly came to do. That you took my place on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. I realize that it is my sin who held you on that cruel cross. Forgive me and wash me and make me new. Lord, come into my life. As my Lord and as my Savior, it's on this day, Palm Sunday 2021, that I want everything to be changed. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. Change me. The old is gone and the new has come. I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, I'm yours follow you, crown you, because you are worthy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.